0: Straight from Boston, it's Founder Thought, the show that has everything from advice, ideas, and inspiration from founders and business owners that made it all happen. I have to
1: tell you, there's very, very rare occasions that I have difficulty making the decision because of the values and morals that my mom instilled in me.
0: Today, we're here with Jim Rusimano, owner of Nutley Kia. So Jim, tell us a little bit about you and your business.
1: Well, my, uh, my wife's family dragged me into the automobile business when I was 29 years old. I swore when I met her as a teenager, I would never be in the car business. Um, <laughs> so they, you know, I had an MBA in finance and they believed that that would add some skill set to their business that would be helpful. This was back in 1989 and believe it or not, leasing was an unknown commodity in the car business back then. And, um, Lease contracts were very difficult to understand. They were Back then, they were written like an apartment lease, so there was no selling price on the, on the value of the lease. It was just a rental payment. So they brought me in because they were growing their leasing business, but there was some concern about the integrity of what was going on with the customer. So I really went in as a neophyte in the auto business. I started as a salesperson. Uh, within four months of me asking a lot of questions, the lease director at a pretty large dealership left the company because the walls were starting to cave in a little bit on them. So after four months in the industry, I became the leasing director at a 400 plus unit Ford uh, store in New Jersey. Um, Leasing wasn't really that complicated. And we grew as a company, not only because of me and between 1989 in 1995, we became the number one Ford leasing dealer in the country. Oh, wow. And it really gave me some cachet, uh, although I didn't take all the credit myself. It, uh, it really was a business that nobody really understood. And and we had a lot of publications coming to talk to us. There's a couple of magazines with my father-in-law and I on the cover. And, you know, that was the beginning of my auto career. Um, and at the time... A customer satisfaction was unknown in the auto business, and when I could see the frustration of the family with the fact that a large volume store customers were just so angry when they came in for service with unreasonable expectations, I volunteered to go back into the service and parts department to try to fix the problem, and really began my career of just becoming very good at talking to people, and we. Okay dramatically improved who we were just by talking to people, calling people, uh, setting better expectations. And after four years, we became the number one dealer in customer satisfaction in the region for Ford. And at that point, I realized that I was going to be in the car business for the rest of my life because I liked it and I wanted to do it on my own. I became aware that this little, tiny little Chevrolet dealership was available in the town of Nutley, which I've always adored. It was relatively close to the town that I grew up in. And my wife and I bought the Nutley Chevrolet Buick store in 2005. And then since then it's been a very interesting ride. Uh, we can smile now, but it was a very challenging time of our lives.
0: <laughs> Does that always happen?
1: Yeah, Of course, if you don't go through it, you're not gonna be better.
0: So Jim, uh, tell us a little bit about the challenges that you guys faced early on in the process.
1: Well, we were so excited, my wife and I. We were so excited when we bought our first car dealership. Um, we were happy to be Chevrolet. Her family was Ford, so it was a, a different brand for us. And the dealership that we had purchased had a very, very, very good run uh, through the 80s and 90s, but they had run on. They had come on some tough times as the founder was leaving the business. So we took over uh, a dealership that was really struggling. And in the first three years of our business, we grew very nicely. Uh, we established that we wanted to just be a small town dealer. You know, around us in New Jersey, there's a lot of highway stores, very impersonal touch to the customer. And um, so we grew nicely. We were very excited. My wife was still at home with the children, uh, but as involved in our business as she could be. And then in 2008, the whole world fell apart when General Motors went bankrupt. And we um, fought our way through it.
0: Amazing. So tell me a little bit about um, your passions and what drives you to do what you do.
1: Well, marketing is my favorite. That was my undergraduate degree. And finance is my second favorite. And I say to people all the time, the car business is just what I do for a living. My passion is to just grow a small business and not only not from a greed standpoint, uh, I get a tremendous amount of joy in surrounding myself with good people and watch them grow. Uh, I learned early on in my career when I was in the banking business that um, the challenges of growing a staff and growing people can be the most rewarding and heartbreaking experience of your life. And that is so true. Uh, I've kind of changed in the last couple of years. The heartbreaks used to be much more painful than the joy, but now I'm starting to feel like I get a lot of pride out of building an organization and watching people
2: grow. So, uh, Tim, if, uh, Jim, if I can go back to you, when you talk about customer satisfaction, what does customer satisfaction mean to you?
1: It means a lot because I, you know, there's some people, some businesses, not only in the car business that. People, you manipulate the numbers just to look good. Um, you know, one of the criticisms I received early on when I became an owner was from other dealers who are on the highway. They, they prefer not to see their customers in public. They don't do business in their local community because they don't want to face their customers. Uh, Ann and I have completely embraced our customers. So we, we want to be genuine. If, if we didn't do something right, we're going to fix it. But we really wanted to create a relationship where we could, you know, we immediately became members of the Nutley Chamber of Commerce, which is a significant chamber in New Jersey. Uh, We're involved in the local community. We don't live in Nutley, but we are we're all about doing business in Nutley. So the customer satisfaction piece, it's rewarding for us, but it's really the kind of people we are. We, We feel we have an obligation. You know, buying a car is the second largest purchase in somebody's life. And we feel we have a responsibility to make that as, as enjoyable as we can.
2: So, uh, Jim. Obviously, we know you. We uh, we work together in different and helping with Natalie. My question for you because a lot of time when we speak together, when people uh, think about uh, dealership, they think about hard sell. How you how you can tell people you're not like this because I know guys you're not like this, and how you can send this message? uh, Not uh, you don't want people to put you in the stereotype like every another dealership. So how how you define yourself? Or, how we stand different from everybody else I,
1: I think it first starts with our size and our location. I mean, a lot of manufacturers want to be big box stores on a highway uh, we you know it's very personal i mean I, I you know I apologize for using the expression we are truly a family business, and the family is not only ann and myself I mean our children have all worked at the store when they were in high school. Uh, the community is a very family oriented community so you know, for us, you know, being at work every day matters. And I will tell you that I have seen, you know, when when a dealership gets into a second or third generation, which is very common in this area, if you're not the founder, you just don't have the passion. And I see a lot of, of owners who will not engage with their customers. On a very rare occasion, I will be asked to come and greet a customer because they're dissatisfied about something and I won't run away from it. I'll run right at it. And if it's something we're responsible for, we take care of it. If it's the customer's responsibility, I will explain it in the most polite way that I can.
2: So uh, uh, another thing, actually, uh, Jim, I want to touch on when you talk about two minutes ago. When you talk about building an organization or building a team, what what do you look at when you hire people or when you bring people on?
1: Well, that's uh, I would tell you that I'd like to admit that I can look at somebody and talk to them for half an hour and, be spot on about who they are. It really depends on the role. Uh, at a salesperson's level, where a lot of the customer's dissatisfaction begins, we actually have a preference to hire somebody that does not have any experience, because we would want to mold them in a way that we think matters. At a sales manager or finance manager experience, you, you do need you do need some experience in those fields. But you know, I, I'm more interested in the person in their background, family uh, than I am about them being the best in the car business because the best in the car business typically doesn't work so well in our store. And why Jim? It. I'm I'm trying to be careful here. There's the, the barrier to entry in the car business is pretty low. A lot of people can get in to the industry with not a lot of education, which is not a deal breaker, but, uh, there's a lot of integrity issues in the car business because people move around. So, you know, whatever they may say or do with a customer, they may not be around for what happens down the road. It's not typically desire a desirable field for a true professional. So I think the responsibility we have is to try to turn uh, entry-level people into our industry into true professionals who would want to treat their customers as if they would treat their
2: own family. Just to bring us back for the team, uh, when uh, Can you give us an example of somebody you hire? Because I know you have a few people you've been working with you for a while where you take them from, from Intel level right now. They are almost uh, like they grow with your company. Can you give us an example and what satisfaction you see in this uh, growth?
1: Well, I can give you three right off the top. Um, our, our general manager is a young lady who was with the previous owner. She's actually been in our building for 31 years. When I took, when I bought the dealership, Rowena and I bought the dealership, she was an office clerk. Uh, she certainly didn't know what her skills were. She grew with our company, and she has grown to three different levels in the company. She treats our business as if it's hers. Her name is Renee LaFura. And when I am not in a dealership, which is rare, she runs the operation exactly the way that I would. Somebody like Renee makes us very proud of the relationship we have. Uh, And another person you know is Cynthia, who Cynthia Salvador is, she's grown into a marketing role for us. She started as a telephone clerk with us seven years ago, and I have seen the growth in, in what she has become, and she's become an extremely trusted employee. And then we have some salespeople who came to us with some very bad habits, with not such great experience. And we've been able to mold them and make them part of the team. And uh, I just became aware yesterday that uh, one of our salespeople, you know, she had she didn't have a high school degree, which wasn't a qualifier for us when we hired her. She got her GED while she was working for us. She was a single she was a single mom at the time. And this year she doubled her income from last year. She's done extremely
2: well for us.
0: Amazing. Good for her.
2: Yes, really good. So, when you see success like this, Jim, what make you feel like Do you feel proud? Because, like we, when our company we see stuff like this happen, we feel proud. We feel like, you know, this is what worth it for us. So, what do you feel?
1: It it does make me proud. It's I I I'm hesitant to say that because it's not about me, but the way that I was raised. Um, you know, I, I wanted I, I want to do what I can to help others. Do well for themselves it's it's very very fulfilling you know at the end of every year my wife and i sit back and we review the financials and we review their staff and as i said before it hasn't been an easy walk in the park building our staff but it's it's very pleasing to us to know the impact that we have had on other people's lives.
2: So uh, actually, I do have a question. I have a question, Jim, because you bring your wife uh, uh, and a few times in the conversation. How, what role do you think she had, uh, she had in uh, growing, uh, building the organization where you're at, guys, right now?
1: Well, it's funny because she was born into the car business, but she didn't really know it at all. She wasn't involved. She did a little bit of work for her parents when she was young. And as I said, you know, in 2005, we had four children. Our our, uh, oldest child is about to graduate high school. They're all two years apart. So Ann was home with the children. She did a great job raising our our family. And when our youngest was in entering middle school, Ann said, you know, I think it's time for me to get back into the workforce. She, Her background really was design. She wasn't involved in sales or the car business at all. And she said, how can I learn the business the fastest? And I said, well, you're probably not going to be very happy with me, but uh, there are never, there's never women in a service department. And throughout my career, going back to 1989, whether men wanted to admit it or not, women were making the decisions. And when it came to servicing cars, I, I could tell you from my experience, it was incredibly uncomfortable when the people in our service department could not appreciate when a mom came in with three crying kids in the car with a flat tire and you needed to get her out of there as quickly as possible so i just said to ann it's going to be baptism by fire and she jumped in <laughs> feet first and it you know it's it's a very challenging part of the business and i think having a woman with ann's personality which she just wants to solve the problem uh, after the problem's solved then we'll determine you know who's responsible and what the cause may have been but 2008 is really when she got involved every day. And she has really grown our service and parts department into being much more personable with people, much more accountable for what we do. And it, it is an absolute joy for our customers to see, not only Anne because now uh, of our 40 employees, uh, we, about half of our employees are female.
2: Oh wow, I didn't know this, oh, this is a great.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big part of our business. And very unusual.
2: It is unusual. uh, Dealership, it's really unusual. And so, Jim, I wanted to
0: get into a little bit just because I know you personally, and I know you're very involved in the Nutley community, and I'd love to touch on that a little bit. Um, You have a lot of involvement with um, the community and some organizations. I wonder if you can share a little bit of that with us, um, just some of the things that you're involved in and some of the things that you're really passionate about and what really drives you to be involved.
1: Well, it started, you know, I was advised, uh, you know, it's really hard to crack into the town of Nutley if you're not Italian or if you don't live in the town. Uh, things have changed in our 14 years, but I immediately became a member of the Nutley Chamber of Commerce, which is a 200-member co- uh, chamber, and one of the largest single chambers in New Jersey. People have learned to trust us, uh, and uh, Renee, our general manager, and myself, one of us is always at. A chamber event or a chamber meeting. Uh, We've been very generous to some of the fundraisers that have gone in town. About about ten years ago, uh, a school around the corner from us, the Phoenix Center, which is a school uh, for children with autism or multiple disabilities, they brought their. When we became a Kia dealer, they started bringing their Kia vans into our service department that they didn't buy from us because we weren't a Kia dealer when they bought them, and and Ann was in service and she said to me you know what's the Phoenix Center and I said I don't know let me just call them and that's kind of how we've grown our business if we didn't know something or didn't know somebody we would just call so when I called the Phoenix Center uh they put me in touch with the director uh at the time was Dr. Gibbia, and Dr. Gibia invited me over to uh walk through the school and get a tour and uh ever since then it has become a tremendous passion of ours uh, what they do is is God's work, as somebody quoted to me once. So we began our relationship as customers. They began a relationship as customers. We became donors. We became supporters, and four years ago, I became a board member at the school.
0: So tell us a little bit about um, how do you find work life balance? Because you know you obviously have um, a family. You guys have a lot going on. You guys have hobbies and other fun stuff. I
2: know, Jim. It's about like how you are as a founder or Business owner, how you do this? Because usually, if you talk about business owners, they usually work eighty hours. But how you find this life balance?
1: Well, I think the first thing is you have to love what you do. I mean, that sounds so cliche, but I think there are so many people who don't love what they do. um But I also, I you know, work-life balance wasn't part of my vocabulary until my children became of working age, and they told me how important that was. I, I don't dislike what I do, so I don't. They're not mutually exclusive. I think. It is my life. My my work is my life. You know, I enjoy what we do. And on top of it, the business has offered my wife and I personal experiences that we would never have had if we weren't involved in the car business. You know, traveling with sports teams, uh, getting involved with uh, conferences in different parts of the country we never would have gone to before. So, to me, I, I understand the phrase, but I don't really separate my personal life from my work life. They're, they're commingled all the time. I'm available 24 uh, seven. There's, I can't even think of an occasion in 14 years where I felt bothered by work, uh, whether I'm on the property or not, it's just what I'm supposed to do. So whatever comes across my plate is what I do.
0: I think it's a, a lesson to be learned there for sure. If you're, if you're going to do something full force, you've got to be, you've got to love it and you've got to be all in.
1: And I, you know, as a as a dad of four wonderful children who you know all have their own careers, I still coach and counsel them. And and when they kind of get wrapped up where work is becoming debilitating, I just remind them of what I just said. It it is it, it allows you to to live your life. It is part of your life. And if at some point you're not happy, then you need
2: to make a change. But it's all on you. But but Jim, how you how you find out if you love what you do or you don't love what you do? Because a lot of people they say they love, but are passionate about something. I I don't think they are, but how you find out?
1: I th- I think it's how you wake up in the morning. I mean, I can you know I've been working. You know, I'm I'm going to be sixty years old this year. I've been working since I was fifteen. I can remember one stage in my life where I got out of bed and I didn't feel like going to work. Uh, I kept going because that was my job, uh, and that was actually just prior to getting into the car business, during the latter years of my banking career. Uh, I, I think, you know, if you get out of if you get out of bed and you don't have a passion for that day, I, I think you got to kind of reassess and, and look deep inside and see if you, you know, if you're able to make a change. I mean, again, I think some people may be stuck in their careers, but I don't think it takes much more than, you know, how much your heart beats when you go to work every day.
2: So, Jim, actually, I want to go back for another uh, point I want to touch on. What the challenges do you face from every day? As a business owner, you have to learn a lot of stuff. You have to learn, uh, to learn financially. You have to learn how to talk with people. You have to learn how to deal with employees. Uh, um, you have to learn how to uh, talk with customers. So, what the challenges do you face as a founder, or as a business owner, or uh, a leadership, business leadership? Well,
1: I think, you know, I can tell you in 14 years, you know the challenges have changed over the years. You know building a staff is probably the most challenging. Uh, I, I really engage with people. I put my heart and soul into people. It's not easy. It's not easy to find the right people that can carry your passion and the mission. And I, I don't think we're done yet for sure. But uh, you know, as as far as the industry that we're in, I think you know the challenge that we have is communication. We just Need as a a thirty five full time people and five part time people, we need to every day understand that most of the customer interaction requires top level communication, and when we fail at that, is when it becomes a not very good situation. So, uh, you know, I'm uh, I, I really try to let our employees grow. I'm uh, always willing to coach them, and I'm always going to give them constructive criticism because a lot of the frustration is caused by ourselves and, and I think we just have to you know we, we just have to go in every day expecting there's going to be something new we're going to have to deal with and the better prepared we are to deal with the situation, the smoother the day is going to go I mean part of it is my passion that I know when I go to work every day it's not going to be the same as yesterday uh, that's for me personally
0: that's for sure. I think that's in a lot of businesses.
1: I, I think part of it is because I've been doing this for 31 years. I'm not an expert. I don't want to imply that I am. But uh, I, I don't allow myself to get flustered. I, I, I'm a deep thinker. I take a deep breath whenever something is in front of us to try to make the decision that has the most integrity, that holds the, pe- the right people accountable in a very professional way.
2: So let me ask you, as, uh, what, do you what do you vision for the future? Well, we we
1: made a decision as a family five years ago that none of our children were going to take over our business. It's just, I've seen a lot of family businesses. I Selfishly, I don't want to be managing the business in my 80s when my children, if my children were involved. And we're going to grow our business. Some people say to me, well, why would you work this hard if you're just going to give it away? Well, I can tell you, we're not going to give it away. I, I have no intention of retiring anytime soon. But when the time comes, all of our hard work will come back to us in some positive way. We love the community that we're in, and I think we've there's been a little bit of luck, a lot of hard work, and we're just going to take this until we finally can enjoy our children and our grandchildren someday. Thank God.
0: Amazing,
2: Jim. Do you want to add anything before we jump? Uh, you want to add something?
1: Yeah. I, well, I I would just say that I you know, I think you know being a small business owner. You know, I come from a family of small business owners, and I sometimes I you know want to socialize with friends and family who may be more corporate type people. <clears throat> I don't think that you can be the same kind of person. And I, I didn't realize this until I was in my 30s that I was born to be an entrepreneur. And it and I've actually had an older brother who I'm extremely close to. He's been corporate his whole career, extremely successful, and he's watched me work and say I could never do what you do. Uh, and again, I could not do what he does. I just I just think when you look at people who who grow their careers at the corporate level, it's a very, very different experience. As, as you said before, you know, I have to be uh, um, very flexible and have to be good at everything. I'm not sure if I'm great at anything, but I have to be good at everything because I have to go from accounting to customer satisfaction to selling to. Uh, infrastructure issues we have if, if the heat doesn't work or the lights don't work and uh, again I, I I just don't at this point I just don't allow it to be a negative thing it's
2: it, I, I kind of smile about it so this is actually because uh, uh, Jimmy jumped on it and I'm gonna actually continue with this when you talk about entrepreneur, because I don't think everybody can do what you do, Jim, or not everybody can be entrepreneur, because a lot of people, they think they can be entrepreneur, but I don't think everybody has it. So what do you think is part of uh, the quality to be entrepreneur? What do you think the one thing everybody wants to be entrepreneur? What do you think the one advice, the one thing they need to have to have it and or to be able to do it?
1: Well, again, and I don't want to be disrespectful to others, but if you haven't been around it as a young person whether you grew up in an entrepreneurial family my wife and i went to a restaurant last night and the owner of the restaurant started as a busboy when he was 13 years old and realized that he just wants to own a restaurant and now at 26 year old at 26 years old he owns a restaurant so i i just think you know if you're around whether it's parents or family or friends who have their own business and you watch how they work and realize that if you decide to step into that career, uh, every day is going to be an adventure and you just have to be a strong person for it. So uh, let me ask you,
2: Jim, do you have a mentor before when you start?
1: My father and my father-in-law professionally were my mentors. My dad was an electrical contractor, but as I was growing up, my dad never turned turned off work. He was, he was going to school at night to be an electrician. He started his own business. My father-in-law, you know, taught me the car business. So the two of them from a professional standpoint are, will always be my mentors. But I have to tell you almost as importantly as that is personally, my mom was a mentor because the easiest thing for me to do in my life is to make decisions because of the values and morals that my mom instilled in me. So I have to tell you, there's very, very rare occasions that I have difficulty making the decision. Sometimes I have to sit back and take take a deep breath to say, what is the right thing to do here? But it really isn't any longer very difficult to make those decisions. So it's my mom and dad and my father-in-law have been tremendous mentors for me.
0: So, Jim, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way for them to reach you?
1: Okay. It's Jim at Nutley, N-U-T-L-E-Y, NutleyAuto.com. Jim at NutleyAuto.com.
0: Well, Jim, thank you so much for being part of Founder Thought. And um, this is a great, um, great interview with lots of learnings. And we really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you for including me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. Okay. Take care, everybody.
2: Thank you for listening to Founder Thought. You can find more episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or on the web at
0: founderthought.com. Founder Thought is a production of Pepper Gang.